and welcome to 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. Vogel, and joining me tonight is Nick Jarjor, founder and CEO of Jarjor Co. and co-founder of 302. Nick is known as a leading voice in the industry who's been celebrated for his work as a top-notch manager, publisher, and music executive. His career includes serving as an advisory board member and global head of song management at Hypnosis Songs Fund and leading the producer and songwriter division of Maverick Entertainment. He's made a meaningful impact in the business by advocating for the establishment of the Songwriter of the Year Award at the Grammys and helping cultivate award-winning phenomena, Stara. So without further ado, Nick, thanks for joining me. How's it going? Great. How are you? Doing well. Can't complain. Excited to have you on. Yeah, excited to be here. It's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. Well, with that, are you ready for question one? Let's go for it. Imagine for a second you're sitting down with your 25-year-old self. What one piece of advice would you give him on a personal note? And what one piece of advice would you give him from a business perspective? I think, you know, if I was sitting down with that version of me, I would tell them to dream bigger and play bigger. It takes the same amount of energy to, you know, pursue a middle goal as it does to pursue a massive goal and, you know, never underestimate the value of loyalty, you know, building those relationships with people that you can really trust and really see through the hard times and the good times with is so crucial because when you're entering any type of relationship, business or personal you know, one thing that's guaranteed is that you're going to hit bumps in the road. Just make sure that you're there on that road with amazing people that you love and that you trust and that that is reciprocated with as well. You know, I think to go on that a little more, um, you know, when I look at the music industry versus venture, because I've done a lot in the venture space as well, it's so different. The people who get involved with a startup early days, like the first investor or fund in Spotify, you know, they're celebrated and championed and often in the music industry, the first people who get involved with talent are not always involved later in their careers. And I think we can learn a lot from other industries, the systems that they put in place on how to make the industry better. And, you know, I would tell my younger self a little bit more about that because that's that future that I'm creating now with our businesses. It's all about democratizing access, you know? Mm-hmm. So you spoke a little bit about entering venture, that kind of part of the business. So I'm curious, how did that kind of lean into your career? What made you get into that side? Well, when I partnered with Maverick Management, maybe about six or seven years ago, um, which is the number one management company in the world, uh, our leader, Gaio Siri, um, you know, has a really successful fund, Sound Ventures. And I was very inspired by that. And I was lucky enough to obviously be friends and partners with him and learn about what he was building and listen in on things and just observe and understand from the masters. I think learning from the masters was a really important thing throughout my whole career with everything I do. Um And for the venture side, he's truly a master at that, you know, learning, understanding, and then seeing companies myself that I started to identify really early on, like Triller, when it was just a hundred million dollar valuation, 
um, was the first one that I got involved with and it started advising them and bringing in key celebrities and other, uh, you know, managers and different key people onto the cap table. Um, Talk Shop Live, which is the number one live stream sales uh, platform in North America and Europe. That's essentially like the Spotify of physical, but it's like an Amazon of live stream sales. But like for box sets and vinyls, it's the category king for sales. I got involved with that really early on, kind of right before the pandemic um, and just saw, hey, this is coming around the corner the same way that I identify hits in the music industry or superstars before they blow up. I like to identify those founders and those companies because it's a lot of the same DNA, you know? Mm -hmm. So was there a defining moment, like a specific defining moment in getting started with your own businesses? Yeah, that defining moment was, uh, you know, a series of no's, a series of doors closed on me, a series of you know, failures, sitting alone on the floor, uh, you know, wondering how am I going to go, uh, you know, uh, eat next week or whatever it may be, not having opportunities for jobs. It really came from a series of no's and a series of shut doors and closed doors coming from Canada. I didn't have the opportunity to get jobs in the industry. So I started building my own businesses. And by building those businesses, it gave me the opportunity to work across the publishing side, the master side, the management side and develop assets. And it was truly kind of forced innovation because I would have paid to be in the music industry. But, you know, my my vision was never about just getting money. It was always just about being a part of a team and, and making great music. And because there were no jobs, I became the person giving the jobs. And I started building artists, publishing companies, uh, record labels. And, you know, as they started to grow, I would notice that for every artist that's successful or every songwriter or producer that's successful, it impacts 10 to 15 other people's lives, you know? Right. So ever since then, I was kind of bit with the entrepreneurial bug. Super inspirational. You're obviously killing it. So congrats. Okay. Jumping right into question number two. Every industry has its dirty little secrets and you and I both know that it's no different in the music industry. Sometimes people think that's a bad thing, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes they can be good. What's one secret you would like to share with our listeners about the industry? One secret I think I would share is like, you know, it is really hard. It can get really rough. And I've seen, you know, whatever situation and scenario you can imagine times 10, you know, I've been through, uh, you know, crazy situations with, uh, you know, some of the biggest stars in the world battling over songs and things like that, where you're stuck in the middle of it. But, you know, the big secret that I will tell people is, Every crisis is an opportunity. I turned one of those situations into actually my partnership with Maverick, um, you know, through this crazy dispute that was happening that I was inserted into the center of, you know, I built a relationship based on trust, loyalty, morals, values, principles with uh, both sides of, of, of the of the conflict. Um, and one of them happened to be part of that Maverick family. So 
I think like turn your crises into opportunities and don't be afraid of the challenges rather than just looking for a check. I think another dirty secret is, you know, it's not just about the work you do or getting a check for your work. It's about working with the right people and getting into the zone where you can showcase your true skills at the highest level. Because all of the big bosses that I know who are running monster companies that started from nothing or that built monster companies uh, did it that way. You know, they were just like, kind of like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is the right party and group to work with. Let me insert myself in there and build as much as possible and the success will come. And I think you got to just kind of put in that work. When I look at uh, my friend Ashley Calhoun uh, from Pulse, I think about how she used to tell me stories of when she was working multiple jobs and would go after work over to different executives to like intern at night or in the uh, after five or whatever. And I remember for me, I had three or four different internships and like positions and labels that were unpaid for maybe like five years in the industry. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't afraid of that or looking at it in a weird way. I just wanted to get my hands dirty, get into the trenches. And it's like, don't be afraid to bet on yourself and do what it takes to showcase your skills, whatever they are. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're not showcasing your skills because that's never going to get you anywhere, you know? Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. I think a lot of people try to focus on being the best at everything, but it's super important to realize what you're good at and then surrounding yourself with people that can pick up whatever you're not great at because you're not going to be great at everything. That's a huge secret. Work with experts at what you're not an expert at, 100%. Well, we've reached the final question, so here we go. Throughout your career, I can only imagine you've been asked plenty of questions, whether it was for an industry conference, the media, or maybe a promotion. But throughout all of those interviews and all of those questions, I know that there has to be one question you've never been asked but would have liked to. So what is that question and what would be your answer? One question I've never been asked but <laughs> I'd like to be asked is about songwriters. and what can be done to transform the industry for songwriters? Um, you know, I think it's a multi-tiered thing, but when you look at the fact that they don't get master points on records, that needs to be changed. I want to lobby for labels or any label to, uh, you know, decide to give even one point to split across songwriters. I think it will be an incredible thing. And I know all of the writers in the world will want to work with that company. You know, I'm really excited about the Grammy Songwriter of the Year Award, which is a huge, huge shift and change uh, for the better for the industry. And, you know, I think we need to see more change like that happen at an institutional level, um, you know, because the songwriter makes a fraction of a percent, you know, and a fraction of a fraction of a percent, actually. And it's not talked about, it's not a very sustainable business, but having been a part of breaking and developing songwriters who have gotten out of that generational curse and built publishing companies and production companies and been able to build businesses around uh, super producer and writer and artist Stara, uh, you know, I want to see the next generation of writer have that level of opportunities. I want to see them in a position to be able to executive produce projects 
and for the song to be recognized as the powerful driver and fuel of the music industry that it is. So uh, that that would be my little passion question, you know? <laughs> I love it. So before we go, you mentioned Stara. So how did that happen? How did you find her? And how did you kind of start your partnership? Well, when I first heard Stara, it was during a time when I had just kind of ended another business that I had built. And I was like, you know, it was very producer focused. And we had worked with some of the biggest super producers in the world. And I saw this blueprint around Max Martin, who we were working with a lot. And I said, you know, I want to build the next generation of Max Martin. And literally, I was thinking about it. I was like manifesting it. I was like, what would that look like? And, um, you know, it was also a rough time for me because having closed down that business, I didn't know what I was going to do next. And I remember seeing Robin Williams. This is how you can date it. Robin Williams uh, committed suicide around that time. It was really sad. And he was such an inspirational figure. Um, and, you know, I said, you know, I've got to really just surround myself with positive people and make sure that whatever I do next, whoever I sign next, they're extremely positive. And I like prayed for that. And as I would, I would listen to these weird underground college radio stations and SoundCloud pages with one of my buddies who's the guitarist for the weekend while he's on tour. He would FaceTime me and listen over the FaceTime to the cool new music I would be discovering. And as I was listening to this Berlin college radio station, R&B playlist, they played this song from this unique little voice that I'd never heard before. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, if it was a child or an adult. <laughs> and, um, you know, I searched all over the internet, couldn't figure out who it was. Finally, forensically audited through Google, Stara's YouTube, uh, SoundCloud page and found the song that I heard and found her contact info and, uh, you know, emailed her. And the rest is kind of history ever since, you know, we started working with each other, um, you know, shortly after. And right away, she started sending me these files and acapellas and, you know, you would send her an instrumental and 30 minutes later, she would send you a full song. And I had never seen anybody be so on point, so organized or so efficient and so talented. I knew that she was the, you know, one of the greatest writers I had ever heard in my life and greatest creators. And um, from that moment on, it was just kind of, we clicked. Wow. That's incredible. Well, Nick, it has been such a pleasure having you on 3Q. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's incredible what you're doing. Thank you so much for providing this platform to help the next generation kind of uh, supercharge their careers in, in a cool way. That's what we hope to do. And to everyone listening, I know you enjoyed tonight's episode, so stay tuned for next week's episode of 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. See you next time.